Hello, friends. Welcome back. Can you hear that lovely, warm, sure SM7B microphone sound? I may be sad to be back from Dubai because it is absolutely fucking freezing <laughs> in the UK, but I'm finally back with my proper setup. It was lovely being away, but uh, yeah, I have missed the glorious warm tones of this beautiful microphone. Anyway, on to today's episode. I'm speaking to Corey Allen, who was episode like 12 or something on the show. He's a meditation expert, but I got him on today to talk about binaural beats. You may have seen this term touted around the internet. It's a specific type of music sound that you listen to, which is proclaimed to assist with focus, with relaxation, with meditating, with going to sleep, a whole bunch of different things. And Corey makes some of the coolest binaural beats that I've ever heard. So I thought, come on, explain to us what they are. And we've done a super special edit on this episode, and he's actually spliced some of the songs that we're talking about. So you'll actually get to hear binaural beats throughout this episode. I'm not sure if I need to give a warning. I don't know how effective a 30-second sample of binaural beats will be at putting someone to sleep, but if you are tired and driving on the motorway and it's late at night, maybe pick something else that isn't one with music designed to make you relax thrown in partway through. Um, longer term, I would certainly be very, very interested in doing more stuff like this. I have a ton of exciting ideas of how I can deliver a podcast in a unique and novel way, and this is just the first of that. Sadly, I'm not an audio engineer, as you may be able to hear from some of the errors that inevitably creep through as these episodes go out. Uh, I do all of the edits myself, but the show is getting to this stage where hopefully I'll be able to employ an audio engineer who will be able to come in and do, you know, all sorts of different things, splicing in interviews, original footage, original sound, recordings from vlogs and other bits that I've taken as a part of life, I suppose, or from media on the wider internet. So yeah, let me know what you think about this. I think it could be pretty cool to try and do more things like this. And I just like playing around with the medium of podcasts. Other other news, the next month, I know I keep going on about it, but the next month is just so good. Rory Sutherland is coming this Monday. He genuinely is one of the best guests on the internet. So get ready for that one. Nims Perger, MBE, talking about his ridiculous mountain climbing he's been doing recently. Diren, Mr. Diren himself, is also coming on after our trip out to Dubai. Yeah, it's it's a packed, packed month in other news. This episode of the show is brought to you by Woven. If you're listening today because you think I want binaural beats to make me focus more, then perhaps you need to sort your calendar out as well. Woven is the all-in-one calendar solution. It syncs all your calendars into one place and upgrades them with powerful scheduling tools, share your availability directly from your calendar, rapidly build your day with smart templates, or tag every event and automatically see how you spend your week with analytics. Woven puts you back in control of your schedule and helps you to spend time on what matters most. If you haven't sorted out the way that you time block your days, if you feel like you're always working but never getting anything done, like you're bouncing from meeting to task to urgent email that you need to reply to, Woven will assist. Woven connects with Google, G Suite and Office 365, plus the app is available on Mac, Windows and iOS, so you can always optimize your time no matter where you are. If you've been struggling with your schedule in 2020, then Woven is the solution for you. And Modern Wisdom listeners are getting free access to Woven for 21 days. Simply head to bit 
bit.ly slash woven wisdom or there is a link in the show notes below that you can follow bit.ly slash woven wisdom and you can try it out for free no obligations go and see if it is the answer to your scheduling and calendar problems the most powerful scheduling and calendar app on the planet woven bit.ly slash woven wisdom but for now it's time for the wise and wonderful Corey Allen. Corey Bloody Allen in the <laughs> building. How are you, friend? I'm good, man. How's your Achilles? It's slowly reattaching my leg to my foot, which is what I wanted. I've been walking around for quite a while in flip-flops in Dubai, to which my physiotherapist said, cut them up and throw them in the bin immediately. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm back. I'm back in the UK, a little bit of a tan and ready to get back on the rehab. That sounds like a coming-of-age novel, flip-flops in Dubai. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I found myself and it was a proper pair of shoes. (laughs) <laughs> nice man well i'm glad it's healing i just remembered that as as we started here yeah it was a serious uh a serious setback but honestly man the i found a level of fortitude that kind of came out of me that i didn't even know existed it was so bizarre i thought i don't know i thought i knew it was like opening a door inside of a house i'd lived in my entire life that mm-hmm. to a room that i didn't know existed and um, very much kind of found a level of resilience that was almost like it was it was almost endogenous it almost surfaced when it was needed um in a way that kind of makes me question about just how cerebral and just how much I know about myself um, yeah so what is, were you fighting against it was more that I presumed when I would reach a setback like that some serious trauma that I've gone through periods of depression and and sadness and stuff like that before. And I just thought, oh man, my constitution is not going to do well with this kind of a setback, despite all of the stoicism and fantastic guests I've spoken to on this show and all the rest of it. I just presumed that I would, I I didn't think I had the sort of makeup that would deal with it fantastically well. And Mm. honestly, like a a lot of it was hard work and I can be proud of the development in myself that I've done to get myself to that point. But there was something else as well. There was another few gears inside of me that I didn't know I was going to find. And um, yeah, I, I didn't have the world ending inertia that I perhaps feared was going to occur. And very quickly was able to focus on doing what I could do. Um, and you hear this all the time, right? You hear about people who go through tragedies and who end up using that as the springboard for something even greater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's kind of just, it's a bit like a fable that, isn't it? You just think, uh, well, yeah, that's good for them. Yeah. 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 And it's also kind of good and bad because that's one of the things that is sort of a problem in, in culture right now is the inability for people to accept themselves just as people. Like everything has to be this extraordinary you know, hero's tale and no one's allowed to just like be a person. So, so like it makes people feel like if you're injured and you have this Achilles, uh, you know, time that you need to spend kind of just low key relaxing, 
there's this weird feel because of sort of internet culture in some way that it's like, well, if you aren't using that as a springboard to change your life, then you're a loser, you know? And it's like, no, it's also okay just to sit and do nothing and just be a person and be all right for a minute, you know? Yeah, that's a function of seeing the highlight reel of everybody else, right? That totally, almost, totally. almost any uh, incident is also a potential for content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's like unless yeah. you're taking a selfie whilst the operation's going on and recording a podcast, and then <laughs> right. it's got to be in the newsletter, um, and every, everyone just feels like a budget Gary V. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I get that very, very much. So today I wanted to talk about. We, we've already had you on the show. You're episode like twelve, and this is going to be two hundred and fifty something. So everyone that wants to find out about your approaches for meditation, go back and listen to that. It's a fantastic episode. But today, your other, I guess, internet commodity that you <laughs> that you uh, travel in that you you end up shipping is binaural beats, and it's something that myself and some of the other guys I regularly have on the show we have played around with. We use. I know Johnny's a huge fan of Brain FM. He also uses some of your tracks as well to work to and to sleep to and for meditation. But I've never really heard anyone give a breakdown of what binaural beats are, why they exist, what their effects are, how they're made, all that stuff. So I wanted to I wanted to get yourself in to uh, kind of break down the fourth wall a little bit about it. So where do we begin? Man, absolutely. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm happy to dive into it with you. Um, well, I think that beginning with just kind of defining some terms is useful because, like meditation, dealing with anything that's sort of uh effervescent or you know it's like it's not a physical thing so it's it's you know conceptual like audio is is a bit harder to grasp for some people so just sort of introducing what the, the binaural beats are so first off binaural means basically you know stereo so uh monaural is like one single sound source so if you think in your headphones your or whatever you've got a left and a right headphone that's uh you know left and right so it's two by bi uh and then aural you know so it's two sound you know and a monaural would be a single mono signal which is like an old record player or something that has like the horn, the gramophone player, or just the horn coming out. That's mono. That's one, you know, but also all, all like voice recordings are mono, you know, um, and for a bit of useless, more detail, uh, I will say that, uh, in most mono sounds that you hear, you know, are then they're split to, to stereo. So it's the same thing coming through both speakers, but it's just, uh, you know, it's still uh, mono anyway. So then the beats uh, part of binaural beats. So binaural is, you know, two uh, audio signals and beats is beating. So in music, uh, there's a, a phenomenon called beating. And that is whenever you have two audio frequencies, which, of course, all sound and music are all audio frequencies. Whenever you have two audio frequencies that are close together, uh, they vibrate because sound moves in waves. So if you think about all sound is like, uh, it's physical, you know, so it's it's moving through air. So it's literally like uh, you just think of a, a wave going up and down and up and down. And it's literally just moving through air in a physical way. It's breaking through the air as it goes. And um, the speed of that vibration of the wave. So, you know, something very uh, a deep sound like bass from you know, like a, your slamming house track that we mentioned earlier, 
um, but more particularly the bass line that the deep you know bass line you would hear that's kind of hovering in the room during you know amongst the kick drum that is a really really uh, slow moving waves wave and that's why whenever you're standing next to a subwoofer you feel air coming through it's because there's like so much force and it's so slow that it's literally like as the wave goes up and down, it's like that negative space is actually pushing, like physically pushing air through. through Shit, action, right? is that that's why it happens? Yeah, I never realized yeah, yeah. that. You can feel that whenever you put your hand in front of a a little subwoofer you've got next to your TV, right? And yeah, totally. It totally. just does the little sort of those puffs yeah. coming out. Yeah, so it's literally like the sound wave is like pushing. It's you know moving the air out like that. Um, so then if you, as you start to move upwards in frequencies, so this bass tone, let's move up to think of like something like a hi-hat or, uh, even, you know, even higher, that's going to be, uh, really fast. So it's going to, the sound wave is going to be moving really, really fast. Uh, and it's going to look like kind of almost, uh, you know, crinkled or something like that. Cause it's moving so fast and that's the high frequency, right? So, uh, that's like, or even the highest note on a piano or something is, is super fast. So if you really think about it, um, like spinning something up, whatever it is, doesn't have to be sound or music or anything. If you, if, if you have, uh, you know, something you spin it up, it gets faster. The pitch kind of naturally rises, you know, on anything like that. It's just the same property, the physical property that's happening in music and sound. So, um, in on back to the piano, you think about the piano uh, so this beating thing, the notes on like a piano, for example, or a guitar are all very close to each other. Like the frequencies, the vibrations, they're very close. Uh, and so if you play like a white and a black key on a piano that are right next to each other, you think about that. You hear that sort of wobbling, that like bah, wah, 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 that's the beating because their frequencies are are tuned individually. You know, one key is tuned to that note. The key is tuned to to this other note. But they're very close together because on a piano, of course, you start from the lowest note to the highest note. It goes left to right. And they just kind of with each key, they're incrementally tuned a little, you know, a few, uh, you know, hertz higher and higher and higher. And so you've got this nice uh, system that you can play on that sounds good. Um, but if you play two notes that are right next to each other that are, you know, minor and, and major, then you're going to hear that beating because they're, they're, they're so close to each other that they're actually, those sound waves are kind of interfering with each other. So if you think about that up and down wave thing happening, well, now you've got two notes. So you put two of those right next to each other and they're fighting for space in air. So you think about that subwoofer pushing the air out. So since all notes are moving through air, you've got these two notes that are kind of fighting for space. They're cycling at a similar free, a speed and frequency. And so they're colliding. And so as they're colliding, that's what creates that that wobbling sound. So when again on the piano you hit two notes, black and white key right next to each other, you hear that wobble. That's literally the two frequencies fighting for space, and that's what creates the the beating because they're fighting in physical space, you know, for for room, <laughs> and so that's what creates that sound. That's called the beating. So binaural beats is two, you know, basically one headphone and one ear, one and the other, and then beating is the idea of two frequencies uh, creating that wobbling sound by being very close to, to each other and kind of fighting against each other. So that's just to define terms 
for binaural beats, the, of just the actual terms. Now, the actual functional process of the tracks themselves, um, this is uh, a little bit more detailed, but I'll try and make it as succinct as possible. So in all, the overall intended effect is to be able to listen to these tracks and change the way that you're feeling, change the way that you're thinking and the way that your mind is operating. So you can, with intentionality of which track that you use, kind of coerce your brain into a different zone. So that would be either something relaxation, you know, uh, creativity, extreme heightened perception and focus, uh, sleep, meditation, uh, just general kind of alertness, but still feeling calm. These kind of different states that we go in throughout the day. You know, whenever you sleep, you're obviously uh, very relaxed. <laughs> and whenever you're in the peak point of your day in the afternoon, you're drinking coffee, you've just worked out, that's whenever your brain is firing. You're not in the flow state per se, but you're like in the alpha beta range where you're you're really keyed up. Um, and then, you know, at a high performance level, flow state is like the, the highest level of the brain. So throughout the day, we move through all these different brainwave states. And those are really quickly uh, delta, theta, alpha, beta, and gamma. So that's from lowest to highest. Um, now, uh, what's interesting is that then these, uh, okay, so in our brains, the way that thoughts and these brainwave states uh, are defined is basically our brain is a collection of neurons. <laughs> it's a bunch of uh and, and you please stop me at any time if this is if I'm getting no, too far into No, please keep going. This is what we want to know. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm trying to cut it down as much as possible. So it's fine. you're just trying to um, explain the single most complex object in the entire universe to us and how it relates <laughs> with sounds that go into our ears. Well, one of my favorite things about the brain is it spends its entire existence trying to make itself realize things, which is just really <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh. You know, so we it, our brain is a collection of neurons, and by you know, our brain operates on electricity. And so, the way we have thoughts or the whole subsystems and different areas of the brain work at all is that those neurons they fire a, an electrical signal from one neuron to the next neuron a, upon a little road called a synapsis, and that's basically the synapses connect our neurons together throughout the brain and there's like a you know a billion ish or whatever or two billion a trillion who, who knows they're always raising that number of how many neurons are in the brain and so whenever we think there's a series of neurons fire electrical signals through our synapses to these other neurons and so on and so on in different areas of the brain kind of uh they fire to each other and it creates this interesting little dance and those the 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 speed and frequencies of those electrical signals moving throughout the brain and the neurons firing are called brain waves so that's where we get the term brain waves this is literally like the same just as you think of audio waves it's like these rolling waves of electricity firing to the brain and those are the brain waves so that's the gamma uh, delta theta alpha beta gamma this is the brain waves so is it would you be able to say that the brain waves are like a an aggregate of the individual firings moving in a particular pattern that commonly goes together yes exactly exactly yeah, we got it uh, it's, right right exactly so um so the idea with um with binaural beats is to be able to try and affect what brainwave state that you're in on demand and so 
the concept behind the actual audio tracks is to put one tone, one of those, those tones in one ear at a particular frequency. So in the left headphone, you're going to have one particular frequency. Then in the right headphone, you're going to have another particular frequency, just a tone that's going. Now, the difference in hertz between those two tones is going to be the same difference of, of hertz that your that the um, the speed of a particular brainwave state operates at. So, okay, so like a, a for example, from a theta state, <clears throat> whenever the electricity, the, you know, the neurons are firing, it's moving through the brain, that's generally happening at the speed of four to eight hertz, somewhere in there-ish. Uh, and so whenever we get more excited, we get more, uh, the brain can, gets more amped up, we're processing faster, then that speeds up to, you know, eight to 13 Hertz or something like that. And it kind of continues to increase in these, these bands that they've labeled, uh, you know, these different things. So let's just make it really simple. So we think of theta and let's call it four Hertz, right? So our, we're, we're very relaxed. We're almost, this is almost like a meditative type of state that we're in with theta. We're super calm, uh, just kind of, uh, consciousness is very placid and open and everything. And so our brain waves are firing signals slowly and calmly and think of four hertz. So it's just this very slow kind of boom, wow, 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 wow. That's the, the audio waves, the subwoofer in the brain moving up and down. So what we'd want to do to, to replicate that with the binaural beat is to put one frequency in the left ear, let's call it 100 hertz. So that's that's the tone. That's the kind of like the crispest part of a kick drum, just for any audio engineers out there. Kind of 100 hertz. Um, then in the other ear, the other headphone, we're going to put 104 hertz. So just making it plain and using the metric system. Well, we've 100 and then 104. So... By putting 100 hertz in one ear, 104 hertz in the other ear, you think about what those two tones are doing whenever you listen to them together, right? They're creating the difference, that 4 hertz, because they're so close, they create that beating or that wobbling type of sound, right? And so in that creating of the 4 hertz vibration, uh, the idea behind binaural beats is that then the brain, as it hears each of those tones in each ear, is trying to kind of mathematically make up the difference between those two frequencies as it's hearing those individual audio uh, tones. And in that, it entrains, that's why they call binaural beats you know, brainwave entraining music. It's because it's then, the theory is that it entrains the brain into that theta state. So the brainwaves start sort of replicating and sinking into the groove of the frequency that you're hearing and then ideally your your consciousness is then shifted into that particular brainwave state. Can and we so hear the, can we hear something that is that particular theta, that, that yeah. bottom end one? Yeah, we'll draw let's let's play this uh, this track called uh, Opening Eye. That's the track that's theta, and we'll just play thirty seconds of that or something now.
Okay, and we're back, and I mean, I feel relaxed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so if you you can hear in that track, you know, and there's there's other things going on. So we, we can hear the vibrating tones, but of course, um, in these tracks, of course, you, you whenever you you find these, you'll see that they're also accompanied by other like musical elements to make them musical, to make them uh, not just this technical sort of thing that's happening. And depending on the artist, you can really create a lot of emphasis. So sort of just the, the beating tones are sort of the bare minimum to get the function going. Also, as a side note, just to further illuminate the conceptual nature of this, uh, uh, isochronic, or, or it's a term for monophonic beating as well. So something that it, they're particular objects have the propensity to beat on their own even though they're just a single object because of their physical character well, so like, a, a gong so that's exactly where i'm going so you think about whenever in a buddhist temple there's a giant gong there and before they sit down to meditate they hit that sucker and it goes well think about that sound it's going it's the same thing it's the exact same thing so that's the beating right um, so uh, you can take just that that raw functional nature of it and then based upon the you know whatever the artist's uh, talent or or purposes, you can then really scale that up to make it much more nuanced and succinct and, and impactful. And so you'll add and of course, priority one is listenability. So you have two tones. you can add some people usually put kind of textural ambient sounds on top of them to kind of give it a further, uh, relaxing sound. And also in ambient music, one of the points there is that you don't want rhythmic moments plotted in time per se, because you want it to be kind of off the grid. You don't want the listener to be, even if we're not doing it consciously, we subconsciously, when we listen to any music, pay attention to the rhythmic nature of things. And if we hear, you know, one rhythmic sound that we hear kick drum and then a snare, we're going to expect to hear on the same beat you know, in the same rhythm, another kick or snare and so on and so on. We expect that. Like, imagine if you had your favorite hip hop track on and every like seventh kick drum was missing. You'd probably you'd pull a hamstring or something. To listen to that. <laughs> maybe it, that's how it, I did my Achilles. Yeah, maybe yeah, I was maybe listening so. to something that was five to the floor or something. Yeah, because you lit, you're expecting this thing and it doesn't happen. And you're like, oh, you know, yep. so we have this, uh, you know, this and even in you know cinematic music, there's you know, very slow paced rhythms, we still expect this resolution to happen musically. So anyway, so in Bono Beats, there's, there's not uh, rhythmic elements commonly because of that. You want the listener to uh, kind of lose track of time, as it were, to further sink into the actual effect of the thing. So musically, there's generally just kind of textual things. Some people use nature sounds and stuff. I, I, I use those sometimes. Um, but I, I also tend to use, on some of the tracks, I use my own, uh, just kind of some uh, vocal drones, but also a lot of other kind of electronic sounds and various things. Uh, and, and just to go a little bit into my tracks, and, and uh, if you'd like, I mean, I'm just kind of talking endlessly here, but please tell me any at any point if there's any, any direction I'm going to go. But No, no, the only thing I was thinking before was that I imagine you could create a binaural beat without any of the extra elements to it 
and it might perhaps have the desired effect, but be so unengaging that your thoughts might sort of drift off elsewhere without the, in opening eye, you've kind of got these symbols and this sort of stuff in the higher registers as well that keep it more interesting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And and also just listening to the tones. Yeah. would make someone feel like they're in like space odyssey 2001, you know, floating out. (laughs) It's just, it would be very abstract and, and, uh, harder for people to relax into it because they're focusing on just this vibrating sound, you know, uh, it it is interesting how the musical quality works as a sort of obfuscation of the technical element in some way. So you sort of, you know, aren't really focused on that as much. You're listening to the top layer and the bottom layer is doing all the dirty work. You know, that's funny. You've Trojan Trojan horse, a really mindful music (laughs) set in with something that sounds nice on top. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and so in, in my tracks, you know, I, I've spent 20 years, you know, as an audio producer and my whole life, you know, also in that same time being a, you know, a student of meditation and philosophy and studying consciousness, just all the you know, neurosciences, cognitive sciences, you know, neuroscience, consciousness, psychology, philosophy of mind, and et cetera, et cetera, and music at the same time. And those things are all have always kind of woven into each other. They've been binaural beating my whole life, those two things. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, in my music, it's always, the intentions have always been, uh, something that fascinates me a lot is, uh, listener expectation, the, the different things you can do musically, you know, harmonically with notes, the arrival, the attention and relief and expectation that people hear and kind of the, the emotions and feelings that arise, uh, through listening to different, you know, orchestrated melodies and, and sounds. Also, <clears throat> the way that you can make sounds arrive and depart uh, in very, I call it kind of musical sleight of hand, where it's like I uh, have sounds that take, you know, in, in my binaural beats, which are 30 minutes to an hour to two hours long, you know, some sounds will fade in for 10 minutes. It takes that long for it to go from silence to its peak volume. And at the same time, other sounds are fading out for 10 minutes. And so they're kind of cross-fading, and there's a lot of that happening all at once. And so before you even realize there's a change, you're already somewhere else. And then before you realize where you are, there's yet another change. And it's a real um, sneaky and particular way to keep people um, from really paying attention to time. You know, and and when you're timeless, where are you? You're in the present, right? And so by doing that, it's a way to kind of musically guide people to the present moment. There's an awful so lot going a, on, man. Yeah, there's a whole lot. Yeah, and I could, you know, of course, nerd out on 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 it uh, very deeply. But uh, also, I got really interested in binaural beats whenever, like, in the like early 2000s, because I was. <clears throat> always, I've always been poking at my brain to see what happens. I'm just kind of u- use myself as a lab rat, you know, for all sorts of different chemicals and <laughs> experiments and whatever. Um, but I really, what got me interested in them was reading some rather esoteric, uh, writings on, you know, Buddhism and kind of fringe, uh, te- meditation techniques and stuff way back in the in early two thousands ish. And, uh, maybe even right before that. Uh, but I remember, so one of the things I was reading was that these some monks would sleep on the right side of on their right side if they wanted to have like a creative day the next day and sleep on their left side if they wanted to have a more sort of systematic day. 
So the idea was that blood would saturate the right hemisphere of the brain or left hemisphere and so on. And I don't know how much you know efficacy is in that that bit of thing, but I'm sure the psychosomatically that you're sort of it's a nice placebo effect. Um, but I was reading things like that and I was trying that and that was interesting. And then I was also I've always been fascinated with what particular frequencies uh, what they can do to the body. So the human body that is. And so, you know, if you play certain tones, like first off, if anyone doesn't think that tones can affect the body, let me remind you that there are, uh, weaponized audio devices that the military and, and like kind of the militarized police use. They're basically these giant, well, not giant, not so, not giant. They're sort of look like, um, what is that? A dish, like the, a satellite dish. And uh, they play a really high pitch audio frequency that you can't even hear because it's a, like above the range of human hearing, which is like around 20,000 hertz. And it's, so it's above that, but it's super loud and above that. And it literally makes you pass out or and it or can cause extreme discomfort, headaches, disorientation. No way. Because, yeah, yeah you can basically like fry someone's nervous system with super high frequencies. So Shit, yeah, are those legal? Are they Geneva Conventioned well, out or? Yeah, they 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 are in America anyway. But you know, this is kind of Wild West, so who Fuck. knows? That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. That's like the uh, South Park episode where they try and find the brown note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That would be so much more funny if they used that. If they could do that instead Just make of make the... people poop their pants instead of yeah passing out. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, because then at least it's hilarious. There's dogs um, in the nearby town when they're playing that thing, going absolutely <laughs> crazy, having a party. Man, you know it. Yeah, we're wanting to, you know, crawl out of their their fur. So, um, yeah. So, you know, these these sounds, you know, sounds really ju- not only because they're just the physical nature of them, um, but also it's just the way that our that our body holds resonance as well. So, you know, you we like a kick drum, uh, a, a bass line makes it like Daft Punk makes anybody want to kind of move a little bit because of the bass is like literally, you know, it's it's hitting your uh, there's a lot of research that shows that like the bass frequencies and the rhythm of like dance tracks, the reason why those rhythms and those temp, those BPMs, those like beats per minute make you want to dance. One of them is because they're like higher than the rate of resting heart rate. So if it's a little bit higher than your heart rate, it makes you want to kind of match that tempo. Mm. You know, if you listen to something relaxing, you listen to some samba or something like that, it's like 60 be- beats per minute you know, or whatever. It's super relaxed. Can you explain you know, uh, why Cardi B's WAP is done at 70 beats per minute then? <laughs> well, that's maybe you should like put watch some porn and then see if the rhythms in that match the rhythms in the <laughs> in this in the track. Fucking WAP, man. Yeah, I um I always noticed that one of the things I DJ'd for a short while um when I was younger and even now, I can tell the difference between a DJ who's playing at sort of 125, 126, and 128, 129. Uh, 128 mm. being sort of the classic, I guess, dance rhythm, uh, the, the pacing. Right. And um, I went to go and see Ben Boma from Anjuna Deep uh, on the beach at Dubai while I was out there, and the sun's setting over the horizon, and he's playing at like 123, and it's just so cool, super chill. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful, and that insight, I even remember thinking back then, I was like, this is so slow, but he's managed to get it right. So even that, that particular rhythm, if he'd been playing those tracks pitched up to 
128 or 129, it would have given a very different sort of sensation. And I suppose that we're talking here about gradations of how music has an effect on us, right? Like right. Cardi B's WAP had a different effect on me to the <laughs> the music of Anjuna Deep being played at right. Sunset. And the rhythm yeah. is a part of that, as are obviously the lyrics, as is the kick drum and all the rest of it. But before we go on, let's let's play another one, man. What what should we listen to next? Yeah, sure. So this one, uh, let's go with, uh, this is kind of my personal favorite, uh, is one called Luminosity. And this track is, uh, I had so many people over the years, um, we're kind of going out of order here, just in the biography and kind of the reason of all these exist. But over the years, I had a lot of people hit me up asking me to make tracks for like psychedelic journeys or for, you know, like extended meditation retreats or something like that. Basically how to get into that deep, deep part of the mind and really have some, some scaffolding and guidance there. And so for just rather sort of, uh, I would call them ethical reasons. I I didn't call them like music for psychedelics or music, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because one, I, I think it's a little corny and also I never, you know, just kind of philosophically, I never want to be instructing people to do things or anything at all, much less, you know, uh, trying to, you know, influencing people. So people do what you want, you know, but, uh, anyway, so it's called music for deep work as the collection. And, you know, and also it doesn't, uh, it, you know, I think we can do deep work in a lot of ways, you know, with or without chemicals. And it's important to highlight that as well. So, uh, this is one of those tracks and it's luminous. So, um, yeah, you can hear that track has more pronounced kind of musical qualities to it that are still sparse and stretched out. Um, but it, it is going in that, uh, that theta range, you know, to keep to getting that deep kind of, uh, creativity, very, very calm, relaxed, uh, type of zone. And I, some of the tracks, this one, uh, being one of those, I get a little tricky with them because, I will take it from one brainwave state and slide down slowly over the course of the track sometimes because people are already kind of keyed up as humans anyway. They're already kind of dialed up to and like tense and weird and fidgety and just stressed. And, you know, we all are over overly stimulated and oversaturated. So kind of starting from one place and then slowly have them sort of like sinking down into the sand like as it goes on. Um, which I don't know if I've ever mentioned that publicly that I do that sometimes before. Cheeky, cheeky, um, cheeky, yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of like frog in boiling water type. Yes, argument, exactly. Right? Except for it's a hot tub, not a boiling pot. Hot, hot tub <laughs> so, to cool cool bath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, so sounds affect the body. Now, I've been really fascinated with that, you know, over my life and there's a lot of research out there, some weirdo fringe, you know, stuff, some actually academic over what particular tones 
can affect the body in in what ways. And there's like, I mean, I have a huge archive of research from over, as I said earlier, you know, the time that I was in uh, in my early 20s or late teens, early 20s, I got interested in this in the 2000, around the year 2000. And I just started like researching and reading and collecting these different things. And I would, I'd make these audio tracks with different frequency, frequencies to kind of see how they made me and other people feel. And it just kind of, my interest in that you know, evolved from there. So I did make some binaural beat tracks back then. Uh, and then I guess probably five or six years ago, what was funny is that uh, my friend Aubrey hit me up and was like, hey, I've been, I want to try binaural beats. You know, I've heard that they're really awesome. Um, but do you think, like, have you ever made any? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And uh, he's like, would you be down to make some? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. So I, I made some. And I was just like, just making them to make them. And then I let him listen to them. And he was just like, dude, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. You know, these <laughs> like this is like a blown like what's happening here. And so in the course of me making them, uh, you know, the the last you know, the 15 years of compositional experience and music production experience all culminated in meditation, you know, just familiarity with consciousness and uh, that ultimately also the awareness of the texture of my own mind in any given moment. You know, I, I think becoming acutely aware of that became very valuable in making these tracks and it's why they have kind of the or one of the reasons why they have kind of the magical quality that they do uh is because through you know 20 years of meditation i've gotten to where i'm very aware of like how my consciousness is shifting in the moment where it's at like as i said you know the texture of mind and i also am aware of when that's being changed and influenced and so in, in the creation of the tracks, I put a lot of detail, a lot of interesting little, you know, uh, tricky things in there, like I, I mentioned to you. And I'm kind of tuning them all musically, you know, rhythmically, the actual frequencies themselves, until I feel that flow state shift in my own consciousness. And it's not even necessarily like, a, it's not like a mixing issue or a, you know, a spatial issue or a... a particularly a harmonic issue. It's more of just listening and getting like the kind of the palette set and then adding and, and moving everything until in whatever way necessary until I feel that shift within myself. And whenever I feel that flow kind of a, like hyper presence portal open and dilate, I'm like, I, I got it. There, there it is. And so that's sort of why all of these tracks have that quality to them is because I'm literally like tuning them to my own mind until I feel them like un turn the key, you know, and when they turn the key, I'm like, there it is. Now it's just a matter of finishing it off. Is it a different way to create a two hour long binaural beat track that you're aiming to resonate with your mind in a particular way? Like if you're sat in the mixing studio, I imagine you must need to get yourself in quite a different place as if you're mastering down a hip hop track or something. <laughs> no, I mean... What's funny about that is that over, I don't know, I've, I've gotten to where over the years I'm very, I'm kind of like a surgeon with music. I, I got, it's not that I'm not clinical. It's not that I'm clinical about it in the sense that I don't have any feeling or care, but I'm very removed from like being influenced by whatever I'm listening to generally. Uh, I try and, uh, it's, it's because I sort of like want to remain objective in the process and not get like swept up in 
it's strange. Like it's one of the confusing things about like Buddhism as well. Is we'll talk about cultivating a dispassion for for everything, you know, even for pleasure. And people are like, why would I want to not want to feel pleasure? You know, it doesn't make any sense. But so kind of articulating that further, it's like, it's like, oh, well, you want to, you can enjoy the pleasure, but you don't want to to crave and desire and to want the pleasure, or else it has control over you and it becomes a, a, a point of suffering because whenever that thing fleets, as th- all things do, then you have a void and you seek, you know, this pleasure again. You have the passion for the pleasure. You go look for it. And you begin to suffer, and then that kind of daisy chains on with all of the elements of suffering. So by cultivating a spacious dispassion for for pleasure, then when it, pleasure comes, you can deeply enjoy it and receive it, but still not be you know, addicted and have the craving that creates the suffering. That's kind of how I look at music production. Is <laughs> like I have I have kind of a I have a dispassion for it in the sense that I hear I, I'm here, I receive it when it's happening, I do instinctively and intellectually what I know needs to happen to it, uh, but don't get caught up in in all of the human stuff with it. I'm absolutely adamant that Cardi B felt the same way when she was recording Definitely. the lyrics Definitely. to Watt. And Megan the Stallion, she was very, very famous for her principle of non-attachment. Yeah, she's... Well, that track had quite an effect on you. Uh, she, <laughs> and, I'm, just, yeah, I'm and absolutely just, blown away by it, man. I find it... I find that track particularly, and then the um, associated social media furor that came out after it to just be fascinating. Uh, and that's a, a whole another discussion that I think we could get into. But um, it's a great track, and Megan Thee Stallion is amazing. Like her her new album is if it went, I don't know if you've heard her, her album that came out last Friday, but yeah, I, I recommend that. Yeah. So next, what have we got next? Let's play another song. We've got uh, we played the Luminosity and Opening Eye. What else have we got? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll we'll go into a, yet uh, another direction. Uh, I'll just wrap up that what I was talking about yep. uh, uh, real quickly, and that is, you know, so I gave these tracks to Aubrey, and he listened to them, and was like, "Man, this is amazing." And so, as we kind of talked about them a little bit further, we we're like, you know, he's like, maybe, uh, maybe we should like offer these to people. We could sell them, put them on his website. And this is before I even had like a store on my website. He said, we could put them on my website and see see who digs them. And so I did a, you know, we did some podcasts. We talked about them. And they just, like, the response was just crazy. It was, like, I never would have anticipated the amount of feedback and, like, response and, and stuff that listeners had to to the binaural beats. It started where I just, I think, kind of since then, I've never not got a message, uh, you know, a day without someone saying, like, dude, I love these are, I listen to these every day. Thank you. You know, what's the most common and, usage that you've found people use them for? I think two things, either meditation or for focus. So and we'll get to the focus thing right after this. Um, and so, yeah, man, uh, it was really fascinating. I ended up licensing those to on it, you know, and so that was, that was cool. Like they became a, you know, a nice, uh, kind of fixture within the the on it you know world and expand out from there and then then I just kind of continued in my own way to like you know okay well I made those let let me continue on to the different you know um, intentional purposes of each one that people are hitting me up and asking for and also uh, I'm constantly my curiosity and didn't drive to kind of uh, uh, I don't know, I guess improve upon a craft and like hone in something just as, as natural. And so I'm always like, well, let's see if I can, how 
powerful and potent can I make these? Let's Dude, I mean, I, I still say that the release into now meditation series that you did, which will be linked in the show notes below, mm. is still my favorite guided meditation for anyone who wants to take it to the next level. It's, in my opinion, it's a it's a big ask for a, a beginner. Um, because the sessions are like half an hour. But if mm. you've spent a little bit of time and you've built up a, a base level of a habit, like that thing just super, over the space of six weeks, just totally supercharges your... There's not a single person that I've said, you need to go and get this to kind of level up your meditation game. And they haven't come back and gone, what the fuck was that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome to hear. Thank you, thank you. One, of my, one of my buddies did it um, and I think he, he really struggled for the first few... This is a compliment, I think. Um, but he struggled for the first few days to stay awake um, during them, and he found himself just immediately going to sleep, even if he'd slept perfectly fine the week before. But this is yeah. also a friend uh, to whom I sent Sam Harris explaining determinism and the, our lack of free will, uh, and it sent him into a two-week spiral of depression. So I've done oh, quite yeah. a lot. I've done quite a lot to this friend over the last year. So Luke, I want to apologize to you again, buddy. I didn't mean to. And also, to. man, Luke, check out compatibilism. That's another. That's maybe that'll the settle better with you. That is the antidote. Yeah. Um, oh, there's yeah, a, a, sorry, there's I'll, I'll interject there, man. There's a a recent Daniel Dennett paper that he just published on expanding free will. Have you seen mm -hmm. this? No, but I'll I, send it to you. I'll send it to you once I'm done. And anyone that wants to to read it, it's available for free if you just search "expanding free will." Daniel Dennett on Google. Really like fascinating study. I was reading that sleep deprived on the way back from Dubai, and that made for like that was the visual equivalent of binaural beats. I think as I'm reading this nice. these words and I'm trying to work out what the hell is going on. Um, but yeah, man, yeah. Re releasing to now. Like I say, anybody that wants to kind of really up level their meditation game, just go and do that over the space of six weeks. You will. Uh, you will change an awful lot about how you see meditation, I think. Oh, well, thank you, man. Thank you. It's it's interesting is that, again, I made that, you know, five, six years ago. And people still, you know, are, are you know, supporting it and very interested. And they're always coming to it, you know. And uh, it's interesting to me. I, I actually went back and listened to some of it because I was like, well, it's been five years. Like, and I, you know, that was my first attempt at ever, like, teaching anything. And so I was just like, I hope it still holds up. And it was kind of refreshing. I clicked through some of it and I was like, ah, oh, okay. It's still, it's still pretty solid. Not embarrassed about that old, old work. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, as a funny side note on Daniel Dennett, uh, I've been, uh, his book Consciousness Explained, I got in the late 90s, I think. And that was a big impact on me whenever I was a teenager. Uh, and I really liked that one. And I actually emailed Tufts University whenever I was like, 1920 or something and asked if I could come be a free like an intern or assistant for Daniel Dennett and uh, yeah they didn't reply but it's been come but, on little did know, Daniel man. Dennett know that he just turned down the opportunity to get free binaural beats for life exactly exactly <laughs> I think he's more interested in sailing and yeah. hanging out on the coast he's an um, interesting dude so one of the things I've noticed is that the two the area, the two areas that you mentioned were deep focus and uh, meditation. So quite yes. mindful, quite open, quite present. But you mentioned that we've got these higher, yeah. higher ranges as well that we go into in terms of frequencies. Is that something that you just don't think people really need, or that, is it something that you actively tend to avoid in terms of creating binaural beats? No, no, it's um, it's an important one. It's one of the most popular. So that's what uh, it's a good primer to move into. The next thing, um, and so 
a lot of, I, I guess a lot of the work I do generally through the meditation course or my podcast or, you know, uh, the music, a lot of it is about trying to get people to calm down, <laughs> you know what I mean? Calm down, relax, be present and sort of wake up to their own awareness. Uh, that's what a lot of my stuff does. So, um, also the other, the counterpoint to that, the balance to that is the extreme focus, the flow state, the gamma state. So the gamma state is the highest state, you know, it's, is, you know, heightened perception, flow kind of existence, mind. And so, uh, yes, that is a very, a lot faster of a vibration. That's generally what, you know, 40 to 60 Hertz. Some people clock it at about a hundred. Um, but I think that 40 to 40 ish to 60 ish is right. Just knowing that I felt whenever I've experimented with them. So on the first set of binaural beats I made, which I mentioned to you that I, I shared with Aubrey, there was a track on there called Gamma Flow. And that was like basically, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> but uh, it was meant to be like the, you know, kind of that was a, a collection, you know, so that you get all sorts of different tracks in that that collection. And that was the flow state track. And that one, I think, has been one of the most popular of all of all time. Uh, because it's really apparently has had a, a profound effect on listeners helping to get into their, their concentration state and their flow state. And the amount of people that have emailed me over the years that have said, Hey, I wrote my entire book to this. I wrote my Shit. PhD. Yeah. <laughs> like I listened to this on repeat. So people have sent me like screenshots of their, their Apple, like not, you know, on iTunes, like the amount played, like the play count. You know, like here's gamma flow played, you know, 230 times. I'm like, 230 times that track's half an hour long, you know? And like, yeah, I listened to it for a year and repeat while I was finishing my PhD thesis or whatever. Shit. And it's just like endless, endless, yeah. And so uh, that track people really, really like for flow state. And um, yeah, so there's that one. And then after that, because people dug that so much, I ended up making the second volume of Binaural Beats I released with Aubrey uh are all flow state tracks so it's four different flow state tracks um so we can play some of gamma flow right now yes So that's that one, yeah, and that, it's pretty uh, minimal and, and spacious, but you can uh, you know, probably feel that flow happening. And you know, these are of course you know thirty second dish samples that we're playing here. And the reason the tracks are so long is that you know in general in play length from thirty minutes to two hours is because the idea is you know the kind of longer you listen to it, the longer your brain you know has the longer time as to kind of sink into it get into the zone i think that generally they say it's about you know at least kind of two to four five minutes to really enter the open the door you know and there it's another kind of five minutes to get further into sort of like meditation you know further into it and then so on and so on and once you kind of hit the the 10 to 20 minute mark you're you're really sailing what's um, the um it's like a whooshing sort of air 
wind sound in that gamma, yeah. gamma flow track. What's that? Doing? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's kind of um, that's meant as a uh, the stereo effect to really confuse time. <laughs> so, and it actually is a recording of of air that I took. It's like the coast recording of the like, waves. I was going to say, how do you like record that? Yeah, <laughs> very sneakily, very very quiet. Got to creep room. up on it, right? Because it's, it's yeah, real, vigilant. Real quiet, quiet room and a powerful microphone. <laughs> now, um, you ever speaking of that as a side note? You ever heard of an anechoic chamber before? Yes, but it's, I can't remember what it is. It's like a sound soundless room. So there's basically it's designed inside to where no, there's no reflections. So basically, whenever we hear sound, we're generally hearing the reflections of sound, not the actual sound itself. So if you're in a room and you talk, you're not really hearing your voice. You're hearing your voice bounce off the wall behind you and off the ceiling and off the floor and so forth. Uh, but in one of the, that's why music studios have sound absorption and you know, panels because you know, it wants to break those reflections and those resonances so that the microphone can actually record the source instead of the, the sound of the room. Also, interestingly enough, since we're in a, a sound wormhole, every space has its own frequency so the uh the square footage of a room and the material that the room is made out of like the the area of the room it itself has a tone so if you're when you're talking in your room the the width and length and height of the room itself and as i said the the material of the wall so how the reflections are coming actually have its own tone so if you you speak in one room, it's gonna there's a different kind of passenger in there with you, and that's why auditoriums and music halls are very precisely, you know, designed so that they don't have that, or they mainly they have an amplifying effect, but no real resonant effect. I remember um, once in one of the nightclubs that we were working out of, it had a huge back wall, so you can imagine it's got this high high ceiling, and then halfway down the room this high ceiling chops down into a low ceiling that continues to go. And the speakers at the front were throwing toward the back. And upon refurb, the guys, the builders had taken down this huge frame. It was like a image sort of poster, kind of like a poster, like a thick poster at the back on this main back wall. And they'd taken those down and the guys sound checked and threw the speakers back on in this new configuration. And it sounded so quiet. Like they were mm. blasting these speakers to hell and it sounded super, super quiet. And what we realized was that that back wall, the painting poster thing had actually been a bunch of conical uh, sound absorbers. And what you were getting was the sound being thrown from the front, hitting itself on the way back from the wall and getting oh. almost completely zeroed out, which nice. was insane. You could turn it up super, super loud and it would just sound like nothing because the sound hit the back wall, hit itself and then killed it yeah that's like a l like a low frequency oscillator like an lfo you you'll see that in on synthesizers or in or even like a wah pedal like uh for guitar like Jimi hendrix you know that's in like an lfo so it's like creating a subsonic sound that actually so subsonic sounds are frequencies that are below even like you know human hearing like way below hence the term subsonic and they're so deep and you know the wave is so big that it pushes everything like sounds out of the air and so with a wah pedal that's why it sounds wah wah whenever you move the pedal it's because it's literally creating like a break you know in the actual sound or even like a tremolo effect when you hear something going like like statically da -da 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 -da. 
that's because it's just like literally there's a, a subsonic frequency pushing out all of the audio there in a rhythmic way that's like just blasting it out so it cancels it out. There's a, so, a, a, a club in Glasgow called the Sub Club and that has a subsonic dance floor. So it's got subsonic whoa. speakers built into the actual dance floor itself. So when you have bass tones that come through that, you feel it through your feet. Nice. That's very awesome. Cool. That's like elf. That would drive elephants mad. You know, they <laughs> elephants. They can send. I read something sometime. Is that they can like hear each other from miles away because you know a bass travels obviously, and they can send like sounds that are so deep that the bass will just travel like a mile or something. And of course, they got big ass ears, and so that they, i just think it's so interesting for an animal it's of course their size and like their resonance there's just they're a big old that's a big double bass right there but like just an, an animal being able to send that deep of a bass sound is such a peculiar it's like what if you could emit a subwoofer sound from your body you know? <laughs> upon demand yeah that's like kind of what they're doing it's sort of sort of wild some of the blue whale noises and stuff as well those can go for absolutely yeah. i know obviously that sound conduction in water is significantly better than it is through air but totally yeah that goes for forever right yeah 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 um okay so i don't remember where we were really um i remember flow state, talking gamma about flow we did that one yeah all right so yeah we did that one um and uh, yeah, so that, that's a really great one. You know, people people would dig that. And the second collection was for you know all for flow. And so since then, um, I've mainly created tracks that are for you know meditation, for relaxation, for you know the the deep work, and so on. And uh, uh, I think that you know moving on to perhaps the the last piece is one for sleep so that's another thing that people hit me up so much about and uh, i got so many messages of people saying like hey you know i've been been working like uh this is pre uh lockdown times but people saying like i've been working 10 hours a day and going to you know like university at nighttime and i have two kids and i'm like on the verge of just a mental breakdown and like i'm so fried and freaked out by the end of the day i can't sleep and the only thing I've been able to sleep is someone hooked me up with one of your tracks. And this has been helping me like deescalate and get to sleep at night. So just thank you, whatever. I have gotten that message, you know, like a hundred times. And it made me realize like, okay, people need something for sleep. And then, you know, of course, as tends to happen in this weird world, as I started thinking about that, of course, I started having people message me requesting like, hey, you ever thought about making tracks for sleep? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's clear. What is next? Um, and so I made, yeah, I made the, the next, the tracks for sleep. Uh, and these are really deep. These are Delta tracks. So these are, you know, to guide the, the mind literally to like dreamless sleep, uh, uh, complete like lack, lack of body awareness type of zone. And obviously people aren't going to be sleeping with headphones in most times. Um, but I made the tracks like two hours long. So the idea is that you can, you get in bed, you know, and then you start listening to one of these, you, maybe you're reading or something like that. And then in that hour that you're kind of like chilling out before you actually try and sleep, you're already listening to that, getting into the zone. And then, you know, once you, you turn the, the lights off and probably take the headphones off, then you're going to be like right there. So it can help you. It's kind of like a sleep primer is how I pre-work it. But, 
but yeah, but there's a lot of, uh, it's interesting. There are actually a lot of people out there that do use like there's headbands with like, uh, ear, earbuds built so in muse, the guys who do that portable E K E G E K G, the brain sensing headband for meditation. Yeah. So I just got popped by one of their ads, uh, the other day and they've created something that must track your brain waves or your, your brain states while you sleep. Yeah, that's their. I, I talked. I know Ariel Garten, the founder of Muse, and she was telling me a while back, like last year, that that was their next product. So it's cool Shit. that it's it's yeah, out. It's come, to, it's come to market, man. I've seen it. But yeah, you're nice. totally right. the The world for for this stuff, um, there's State App, which is by Brian McKenzie, which is a breath breathwork um, application, and then there's Silent Mode, which is a face mask with inbuilt headphones and uh, accompanying music to do breath work to and then wow. there's wearables like muse that were originally for seated meditation with audio feedback and now we're going into brain tracking whilst you're asleep and like the wearables market is just like it's going it's in all directions at once yeah yeah it's funny as i actually don't like any of that stuff People, they send them to me, but I'm just sort of just like, uh, I, don't, I don't need another like band to strap on. <laughs> I keep, uh, don't use the word strap on. I, uh, yeah, keep I don't on. need another strap on to strap on. <laughs> <laughs> Got so many. I have three already. Um, yeah, I, being honest, man, I've, I've struggled with, with pretty much everything that I've tried. I keep my whoop strap on as an activity tracker, um, but I... We were talking about this while I was away. It really doesn't feel like anyone's kind of captured the wearables market in the same way. If you think about the kind of leap that Apple had with the iPhone and just how much of a chasm there was between that device and everything else that's bef before it. And yeah. I don't think we've had that yet with wearables. You've got the Apple Watch, but a perfect example of this, Rory Sutherland's uh, modern wisdom, regular modern wisdom guest, he suggested that he thinks if steve jobs was still around the apple watch wouldn't be made he thinks it's too complex too unintuitive too highly priced mm. and too user inefficient um and i'd never heard it before but i actually thought yeah do you know what it is i i buy everything from apple like they bring something out i upgrade my laptop i upgrade my phone mm. fairly regularly i've never had any desire to buy an apple watch and i think he might be right with that and I, the the idea of wearables is right but i think the execution thus far pretty much industry-wide is just a bit lacking yeah i agree i'm not i'm not a fan and I, I mean i have an apple watch uh but i uh, i'm not like uh begrudging you know, now yeah <laughs> yeah I, I like it but i only wear it whenever i go out or you know go running or something like that um, but i just don't care about like data <laughs> you know like i just i i know every teach their own of course and for some people it's very useful um but to me uh, there, there was a, like, uh, there's a the show Shit's Creek. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's quite funny, but Dan Levy is like going on a hike with his, his boyfriend and he's like, oh, my, I, my Apple watch is dead or whatever. And he's like, there's no point in even hiking if it's not like, <laughs> if I'm not getting the, the track and like, I don't care. I'm, <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again tomorrow. Did you yeah. see, so one thing that I will say that was a, a fairly big game changer is for me, knowing how much time I've been asleep, I'm aware that there's a margin of error here, but the waking up on a morning and being able to look and know that I got 
seven hours of sleep or seven and a half or eight or eight and a half or five, um, as opposed to the old world before wearables, which was just going to bed at a time and then waking up at a time and not really knowing. Um, that that has definitely informed my the way that I operate a lot a lot more effectively and I can mm-hmm. compensate for sleep debt and, and kind of play around with things. But you're right, if you're not drilling into the data, I think a lot of devices, almost all of them, put out so much more than you need. And then unless you act on the data that you get from a wearable, like what's, right. what's the purpose of it? It's just like this sort of mass, masturbatory game of producing data for the sake of indexing it. Exactly, exactly, man. Yeah, it's further distraction, in my opinion, in a lot of cases. Again, for me, but you know, for some people, I'm sure it's incredibly useful. I got it. Uh, I have had a lot of people send me, speaking of uh, you know, things like Muse and uh, I think Whoop uh, has some similar data just showing your, you know, uh, you know neural feedback or also your, your, your kind of real-time heart rate or whatever change. It's people have sent me screenshots where they're like, man, this is before like this is a, a six month kind of like a you know, shot here of before i started listening to you know you're using your meditation course or your binaural beats and then after and like look at the difference and it's been like it's crazy when people send them to me i should ask i'm trying to ask if i should put those on my site or something but they like it's just like a complete like you know inverse it's like a total difference it's really really cool to see that's crazy it's i've like, got a uh, joel jameson from eight weeks out he works with a lot of ufc fighters getting them down to the right weight but he's also one of the mm-hmm. world experts in hrv training like literally probably number one on the planet and i've got him on the show later this month and um, i'm gonna bring up the binaural beat stuff with him because him uh, affecting people's hrv in a, a, a appropriate way is pretty much what he spends his time doing and mm. HRV is an indicator of relaxation. Uh, inversely, you want a high HRV and a low resting heart rate, um, optimally. But yeah, it, that's that's definitely one of them. And when you think about what most of the recovery strategies for athletes are doing, what they're trying to get them to do is just get into a parasympathetic uh, state. Right. Any right. anyhow, is it by massage is it by going on a recovery walk in nature right. like is it by sleeping more whatever it might be just trying to get that hrv up and that resting heart rate down so yeah man i think i'll tell you what why don't we why don't we listen to uh, it'll be into the void um oh is yeah that, is okay. that the sleep yeah. one no that was lunar flow oh well um, so you're, we'll you're messing me up with the names now why don't we listen to lunar flow I- So then now also, I think we're in the same, a good neighborhood. And of course, time is shrinking here. So uh, we can move into Into the Void, which that is also another uh, deep Delta track as well. So it's kind of a good companion. This is from the first collection way back when. Um, but I think this is the one I think Aubrey has called the dry float. He's like, it's like being in a float tank, but not in the tank. <laughs> so this is the Into the Void track. 
Okay, and then coming out of that one, I think just you know, with a, a few minutes remaining, touching quickly on some of the research around this stuff is important because you know some people are willing to just try a, a binaural beat or something and see if it works for them, and they're like, okay, cool, I, I like this, and it makes me feel a certain way. Some people uh, are a bit resistant to it because they're like, okay, this does this, you know, a little skepticism, which I think is healthy. Um, ultimately, I, at the end of the day, I say with anything like that, you know, just give it a shot. And if it, if it works for you, then cool. If not, then, uh, then that's cool too. Uh, but there, there's a lot of, uh, research and increasingly so in, uh, over the last few years, even they, they've become very popular and, uh, for treating anxiety and different traumas and kind of going through traumas and things like that, but really for treating anxiety and trying to get people out of their, uh, even in a clinical state of, uh, of dealing with anxiety. So one case in particular that I enjoy that I was actually a part of was a, a research, uh, team in Australia in one of the universities two actually or two, uh, which unfortunately now I, uh, can't recall which one it was cause it's been a year or two since I worked with them. But um, one, one of the major ones. <laughs> and so they had a, a neuroscientist there that, uh, was basically playing my tracks and I created some actually like, test tracks so they could use, um, kind of a control, uh, study thing going on. So some did of Did you make just, a binaural beat that wasn't a binaural beat? Yes. Yes. So I made one with just the musical elements and then one with the musical elements and the tones. So they had like a controlled track going on. So they would put people in there, mainly people that were, you know, struggling from psychological issues, you know, or anxieties, whatever it might be, put them in the fMRI scanner, which is just kind of a the brainwave uh, reading machine, we'll call it that. And they would then monitor kind of how their mind was reacting and how their heart rate was reacting to it. And they showed, you know, very clear success uh, through that brain imaging that the track with the tones was affecting you know the brain in the way it was supposed to in the sense of creating relaxation slowing down the brainwave padding patterns in the firing of neurons um, so it's very very fascinating I, I think that there a lot of them in the academic sense have been used for or have been getting a lot more traction for use in uh, in therapy sessions and stuff like that and just general overall kind of wellness for people who are suffering psychologically and just kind of getting that recovery in that's the, I guess, the acute state change. Um, have we had a look? Have you had any research to do with the trait change other than yeah, people yeah. sending you their heart rates yeah. <laughs> steadily decreasing yeah. over a six-month period? Yeah, there have, there have been several studies of you know uh, selections of people who have kind of been interviewed and, and taken readings and, and different data points and so forth on their kind of resting levels of stress and and uh anxiety and whatever and and then kind of use the tracks over a course of time and then gone back and gone in for you know more testing and monitoring and so forth and shown improvements and a reduction they're they're all based on anxiety i think that's where you can get the funding for studies like that uh improvements on the reductions of of their anxiety and kind of their resting heart rates and things like that so yeah it's it's all it's all interesting yeah and, and I, I like reading about those things now and now and again but uh I think for me, for stuff like that, uh, I'm mainly just kind of like, you know, you could go read a bunch of reports. It's kind of, I don't know, I think I feel like that was supplements too, where it's like, 
you can read all about them where you could just take one and see how see you feel. You know? yeah. And that, again, if you could bottle the placebo effect, you'd have the most powerful oh, yeah. effect in all of pharmacology, right? So yeah. the, the point is whatever works for you works for you. And the mode by that happening kind of is a little bit irrelevant. So if someone's thinking, that sounds good, Corey, you've sold me on binaural beats, mate. What is your suggested dosing is it more effective with speakers if they've got good quality speakers or with headphones and how often and etc yeah definitely with headphones uh the how often you can listen to them that's up to you you know how often you want to try and induce the effect uh i i listen to them during meditation a lot of them are made for meditation you know uh and it's very viable and given that they're 30 minutes long it's like you don't have to worry about a timer or anything you just turn it on and you know when the track's done you're done um, and also if you're, I think another viable time is that, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say that whenever they're feeling kind of like in a crisis mode of just like really overwhelmed, really stressed with work or, or a relationship or whatever, and they're in that kind of like panicky, like, ah, that, that state to drop one on, to remember to use them then and drop one on, just kind of lay down and, and take a little 10 minute chill, you know, very useful in times like that as well. Um, all- so apparently, uh, if you're writing a book or working on your PhD, then <laughs> the camera is very it. valuable. But yeah, I was listening to yeah. Adam Gazali, who's a neuroscientist on um, Sam Harris's podcast the other day, and he has got stage three. He's going into stage three FDA approval for brain training games that are made to force single focus um, specifically to be used to combat ADD. But Mm -hmm. these games would actually require a prescription for you to get them, which I thought I don't understand. Like it's just a game, but as with many things, something that can cause a positive change can also cause adverse reactions if not used properly or supervised or blah, blah, blah. But I wonder if down the line we'll see prescriptions written or perhaps at least doctors recommending binaural beats as part of a a recovery protocol for someone who's post-surgery or PTSD or anxiety, depression, any number of psychological issues. Yeah. A lot of therapists recommend them already for just for people that are kind of dealing with just mental health challenges, you know, depression, anxiety, as you said, you know, PTSD, things like that. Um, yeah, they're just sort of, they're like, Hey, take, listen to one of these and call them in the morning, you know? <laughs> I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Look, Corey, it's been awesome to have you on two and a half years, dude. And it was very well worth the wait. Yeah. It's crazy. how Time flies when you're in the present. Absolutely. Uh, people want to check out your stuff. Where should they go? Uh, Corey dash Allen.com. That's just C O R Y dash Allen.com. It's all there. The binaural beats they're releasing to now, of course, my podcast, of course, Astral Hustle. Uh, go and check it out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's all there peace dude thank you so much for today yeah thank you man really appreciate you having me on